I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am joined by a very special guest today. Welcome back to the show, Jess. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this convo. How are you? I'm doing absolutely great. Arsenal winning 6-0 has a way of solving most of the world's problems. How are you doing? Listen, <laughs> when Arsenal wins, it's like the sun is shining. Nothing nothing bad can happen. I've been just replaying all of our, our goals over the highlights, looking at all the content. I'm I'm good. Life in Arsenalville is is not as bad as people are making it out to seem, okay? But I'm sure we'll talk we'll talk all about that. We certainly will. You spent a bit of time in London, right? You had a, a nice stretch out there. How was that for you? It, you know what? Like I love the schedule being like I've never had games at at night and at the normal times. Usually waking up at like four o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning to watch Arsenal play, being able to like wake up and have like a normal day and then watch the football later. Super cool. Being able to go to games frequently, perfect. The only thing that I will say that London needs to work on in its weather. I don't know if if somebody who who's in charge of the weather there because I'm sorry, you guys, it's not good. Well, it's you, not you've definitely taken on a bit of Britishness if you are talking about the weather. The lack of consistency, it's it's not good. That's the. I mean, I guess you live in a you live in a part of America where consistency is absolutely key to the weather, right? You always know what you're going to get. You kind of always know what you're going to get and you don't get a big variation of weather. It's usually nice. We have some rain, but for the most part, it's it's warm. Sometimes, you know, on Christmas, it, it could be like 70, 70 degrees. So, yeah, it was that was probably like the biggest thing that I had to like get used to. And low key, guys, don't hate me, but I had to get used to the food, y'all. I had to get used to the food. Listen, the, the you went into London. The food, the American food slander. It's got like it, we've got a very international food scene. A lot of amazing restaurants. If you're eating bad food in London, you're in bad places. Yeah, maybe I just need better suggestions. So you guys, if you want to suggest some good places to go, because I'm going to go back to London anyway. So suggest some things for me. But I have to be honest. I didn't love what I. I didn't love what I tasted. We'll That'd be real. There. We'll get we'll get you some recommendations. Did um <laughs> did any of your English friends out there get you on Indian? Because Indian Indian food in America, sorry America, it's uh it's not up to the standard of London by a long shot. So a, like a little fun fact about me is I usually avoid Indian food because I'm allergic to peanuts and a lot of their ah. curries have peanuts in it. So it's not usually something that I go for. But um yeah, I I've tried Indian food before. It's not my favorite. You know, it's not maybe I'm just like a, a normal like California person. I love my Mexican. Yeah. You know, I love stuff like that. I love like, I don't know. I'm a pescatarian. I'm like typical Californian person. I don't eat a lot of stuff. I complain. I love sushi. What are you gonna sushi. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether London is the best at Mexican. 
think we, no. think we were we were late to the party on Mexican food. Yeah. Um, I'm like, do you guys right. even have avocados or what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we um we're here to talk about Arsenal, and there is a very long tradition that we have on this show. It's hottest of takes. takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Jess, there was a lot of spiciness in the performance last night, but what was your one takeaway that's going to absolutely blow the lid off this podcast straight away? All right, guys. So I'm going to look straight into the camera. We can win the Champions League. That's my hottest of take. Before Whoa. the season started, I was like, you guys, if we get to the quarterfinal, fine. You know, I'll take that. But I do think, I'm not saying we will win it, but I think we have a much better shot than people are giving us credit for. I don't think this team, the squad is as thin as people are making out to seem or lacks quality. I think we have tons of quality. And when you put our players up against the other teams, I think we're, we're pretty up there as one of the best teams in Europe. The only thing that will hold us back in my opinion is our experience, lack of experience, but we're in the mix. We're in the mix. Now this could look really crazy in a couple of weeks, you know, it could, but right now, I'm feeling good. You know, Hi, yeah. I, I, I like that take. I like that take. I think there yeah. are, you know, Matt, Matt from the podcast also has a, a similar view. I wanted to ask you who you like, which teams in Europe would you not want to meet in the next round? Like, are there, uh, like, I think we're a top five. I think we're one of the top five best teams. I think we're closer to the top than the bottom of the top five. But who would, who would be the four teams that you're like, would not want to meet them in the, in the semifinals? Um, I would say you obviously you want to avoid like you want to avoid the Real Madrid's, I guess. You want to avoid them. You want to avoid maybe Bayern too. Um, but like even like in the earlier rounds, because I was looking at the teams that are going to finish second in their group, most likely, kind of don't want to meet up with like an Inter. I don't really think I want to meet up with like an Atletico Madrid either. I think those two, despite them maybe not being considered top five in the world or top five in Europe would be very difficult to play against their, their, their managers have a vast experience, good tactics, deep squads. You know, I, I think f- matching up with a Simeone team or Inzaghi team right now or in the earlier rounds could be very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think I fear Madrid just because Madrid have some sort of secret source in the champions yeah. league. Um, I'm I'm, le- I'm less concerned about Bayern Munich, but Bayern Munich, we just have baggage with them. We as fans have baggage with them. These players don't. You know, they 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 didn't sit through the years when we were getting tanked by Bayern every single quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Um, I and then I I really think it's it's Man City. Man, Man City are the main team that would come between us and uh, Champions League. I mean, it, it would be funny if we get to the to the next round and we get knocked out by a a, a minnow again. But yeah. I, I I feel like this team is very professional. I feel like they're very focused, um, and they're so technically gifted, and the system is so strong that it's going to be really difficult for even a team like Madrid to knock us out. But uh, experience is valuable, and we don't have uh, a slew of twenty eight, twenty nine year olds, and I do think that that benefits in a competition like the Champions League. So we'll, we'll yeah. see how it goes. Naivety might be on our side, though. You know. Yeah, because we don't have any Champions League baggage. Sometimes being naive about it can, you know, can be a benefit to a young, a young side. That's kind of what it felt like in the in the Premier League last season. It's like they were just going on the vibes for the most part. But you do kind of you did kind of realize like once you took a maybe a piece or two out and the room got a little bit hotter, the run in got a little bit crazier. Man City started bearing down it started to be like, okay, maybe we do need a little bit of experience. So I think maybe in these early rounds, it might help us. But yeah, like people are, oh, we have experience. I'm like, you guys, just because Jorginho and Kai Havertz want it with Chelsea does not mean we have experience. Like the main people don't have it. Like we have so many players. This is the first time they're even playing in the competition. So have to keep that under consideration. But I do think we have a chance. If it's ten percent, it's ten percent. But I think we have a chance. I'd agree. I, I, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, my heart is to takes today. Um, I've been looking back at the highlights reels, just like you, and I think Bakayo Saka is going to click. He's had a lot of output this season, and I know we're all celebrating those numbers. But we all know deep down the performances haven't quite been 
peak Bakayo. It hasn't looked like he's come in for the the Mosala crown this season. Mm. But I kind of felt like last night, that moment where, you know, he'd been beaten up, he'd been double teamed by a couple of uh, Lons players. And then he picked himself up and he just powered through uh, from the wing into the middle, got into the box and he assisted Jesus. I don't know. It felt like it felt like there was a, a turning point for Bakayo. Like I, you can you can try and kick me all you want, but I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna not moan and I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna use my strength, my skill, um, and I'm gonna make you look like mugs. And I I felt like could that be the moment where it's really clicked for Bakayo, who's having to deal with a different set of players this year? Yeah, I think I think he set the tone yesterday. I don't think he was the most sparkling out of the front three. I think Jesus was probably the most sparkly one that came out of there where everybody was talking about him. But Bakayo, I think, set the tone with his pressing and just the way that he was using the ball and just making sure that he was like starting all the moves. He he just does that on his own. And so yeah, I don't think his his performances have been peak Bakayo or anything like that. But when I, when I compare him to Salah, I usually do compare him to Salah when he's not on his best. Because there are times where Salah's not playing at his best, but you never really talk about it because he still gets GA or goals and assists, always. And Saka's doing that. And so it will click. I think not having Jesus there, not having Odegaard at his peak also affects him a little bit because newsflash guys, almost every single player, besides maybe like Messi, needs certain players around them to get their their best part the best parts of them going. Saka's no different. So, yeah, I think that front five like playing with each other for the first time and us getting that result probably just says a little bit about our season that we haven't had those pieces together, but when they do come together, they click. And yeah, I think Saka he's he's going to start going into Saka mode, which is a perfect time to do it cuz it's we're going into December. Business you know? time. Yeah, yeah, business time, exactly. So, um, Jess, before we get into the podcast, um, you've got a YouTube channel that yeah. gets a load of people on it um, through the summer. Like you, you almost go daily um, during the transfer uh, months. Yeah. You've got uh, like a, a, a media career. Like, tell us a little bit about uh, you. Tell us about the YouTube channel and where we can find you. Yeah, guys. So I just hit 20K not too long ago. So that was a big milestone for me. And I do put out content almost every single day. If I don't, please try to find me because something has went wrong. I'm kidnapped. Somebody has me come find me. But I usually do do something every single day. And um, I put out like daily like morning videos, just giving you guys like news updates on what's going on with Arsenal. We do lives sometimes as well. And then now I have a Patreon. And that's where like the post match show is and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's just me, you know, doing doing what I do, which is talk about Arsenal and um, the platform that I've been able to build has been, it's, I know a lot of people talk about how it helps them, but it really helps me. Like it really helps me. It keeps me grounded. It makes me feel like I'm giving something back. You know, those types of things are important to me. And so, yeah, if you guys want to subscribe or check it out, um, if you guys just go on to YouTube, you type in She Knows Arsenal, I will pop up. And if you want to become a patron, you can always try for seven days free. Um, and then you guys can just, you know, do the little thing where you're like, I just want to try and try everything and then go away. Fine. You could do that too. That's fine. I don't care. But, um, that's patreon.com slash she knows arsenal and you'll find me there as well. So yeah. And media career wise content creating, you know, just going about my business, trying to work with different companies, different brands. And so hopefully you'll see your girl working with some big brands in the summer because we have the Olympics, we have Copa America. And we also have the Euros. So if I'm not working, something bad happened, y'all. Yeah. Something bad happened. <laughs> Action-packed action summer, like Copa America and the Euros at the same time, right? Yeah. And Olymp when time. Olympics is in December, right? Is it a bit later? Yeah, the Olympics are... Yeah, I think it's a little bit later. No, it's in Paris. It's in France. Oh, it's in Paris, isn't it? It's yeah. in Paris. Yeah, it's in Paris. But um, yeah, Copa America is actually in the US. So we're going to be like the final is going to be in Miami. So gonna, I think they're hoping that Argentina makes it to the final Messi, Miami. That's yeah. the plot. That's the plot. You can tell That's what the plot, the plot. is, Got you it. know? So um, I'm excited about that. But yeah, if I had to pick one, I would say that's the one I'm probably the most excited about because, um, I, you know, the United States will be playing in Copa America this time around, which is, that's going to be 
amazing. And you know, our boys will be there. Gabriel Jesus, all the Gabbies, you know, so I'm all excited. the Gabbies, all yeah. the Gabbies, they're all going to be there. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, um, I'll, I'll put the, uh, the link in bio as they say, but let's yeah. move on to, um, the RC Lons game yesterday, five nil up at halftime. We finished the game, um, six nil winners. Lons, um, Lons were, uh, that was a bit of a revenge tour for them mm-hmm. heading to Arsenal. I think that maybe they were a little bit complacent. They thought that they could play football against us. It didn't work out well. Um, some people are calling for calm after the game because Lons, nobody will defend as badly as Lons. Um, but our front five played their first minutes of the season and it looked pretty electric. Do you think that we've got a solve up front or do you think it was just a really bad performance? Listen, I, I- I, I get a little bit, I feel like when teams play poorly, you have to give, like when we played against Chelsea and we were all like, we, we just didn't show up. I was like, yeah, we got to give Chelsea some credit because they, what they did made us not play to our best of our ability. So I think when you flip that around, I think it would be a little bit disingenuous to say that launch just didn't play well, because this is a team that, you know, they haven't given up more than two, like one goal in a long time. They haven't lost very many games either. So this is a well-drilled side that did a really good job against us before. But I thought, you know, we were actually really good. And I thought that there were times that they tried to be really good at 4-0 up. They they hit the post. You know, Raya had to make a couple saves. I know my, you guys can see the little thumbs up thing. I don't know why thumbs that always comes up. I don't know why it doesn't happen for you, but it happens for me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think we were genuinely good. You know, and it reminded me a lot of PSV. It reminded me of games of last season where we just are ve- a very, very good side. That's why teams don't open up against us. So I have, I think we have to give ourselves credit. Enjoy it for what it is. You know, I, I know that, oh, it's, it's Lance, it's this and that. I don't know how many teams we're going to face that are going to open up against us after what they saw. Because this is, this is if you want an advertisement about why you should not open up against us, this was that. So just enjoy it for what it is. You know, it doesn't have to mean anything bigger than we won the game. Have we solved our attacking issues? You know, it's, it's a, it was a different game. It was a different game state. You know, we'll know again when we play against a deep block whether or not we can score early, whether or not we can create more chances in open play. Those are questions that you can only really answer when you're playing in those game states. So I think what we saw is that we have quality and we still can score a lot of goals. But the question about breaking down the deep blocks will still be there until we break one down. And we're like, yeah, we did that. I think a lot of that has to do with scoring early too, which is, this was like the first time we've done it in a long time. What do you think? Do you think, how have you felt about the attack? Do you think it's been overblown, like the attacking things? Or do you think there's actually something there? I think the, I don't think we've been as fluid um, or as unpredictable as perhaps we were last season. But I, I kind of drew parallels to how we played at the start of Arteta's reign. You remember when people were saying, oh, the only reason that we play bad football is because Arteta was a boring midfielder and he doesn't know how to set up an attack. Yeah. And I, I think the, 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 the shock to the system for Arteta at the end of last season is we were making a lot of individual errors and our defence kind of fell to pieces. So mm. I think he's gone back to the drawing board and I think um, he choreographs Arsenal. Like, you know, you, you have to play within his system. And I think when you, you know, if you're a, if you're a dancer or a musician and you're learning um, a new dance or a drumbeat or something, um, when you first play it, you're very clunky and nothing feels quite right and it feels unnatural. And I think this kind of elevate, you know, e- the evolution of his system looks and it probably feels clunky to players. And I think a consequence of that is we're not very fast at moving the ball forward or not as fast. And the moves don't feel as natural and players don't really know where they're supposed to be. And I think the defence has got better at the at, at the cost of attack. But I think that the attack will slowly get better. You know, like Kai Havertz is learning a, a new role in a new system and he's not very confident at the moment. Um, we haven't had Gabby Jesus all season. Uh, Sack has been a little bit off. Martinelli's been a little bit off. But I think it's just them learning a new system. And when we bang, the hope is that we can offer the same sort of attacking output, but be a lot tighter um, and control games um, with a lot more power. So I think it's just learning a new system. And I think 
I thought the pain of this new system with new players was going to come with losses, but it hasn't. The only pain we've really suffered as Arsenal fans is a little bit too much rotation and football not being as sexy. So, yeah. which I think is not the worst thing that could happen, right? It's it's not, and I don't think we take into consideration that the players have to learn how to, like you said, like I felt like the season before last, we were a lot more like constricted. And we were just kind of learning it. And maybe Arteta gave them more free reign once Jesus and Zinchenko came. Now that we've kind of learned some lessons, we get restrained again. And then he'll give them more freedom again. So I, I feel like sometimes it's like we don't give it enough time before we decide that it's broken. And, oh, my gosh, we've made a huge mistake. I think all the conversations around we've just thrown away our old system and and started off with this new one. And why is he doing this? I'm like, you guys, like, did you forget the end of the season? We could not keep balls out of the back of the net. We were way too open. And what's the old adage? Defenses win you titles. And so it's this obsession with playing a certain style because Spurs are playing this style and they look great. And -and so-and-so is playing this style and it's great. Like what's going to actually win us titles? It's this defense being a lot tighter. And we saw with even with Man City when they decided they really wanted to win the Champions League, they got tighter at the back. They got bigger at the back. And they started, you know, really doing that. And then they just got a striker that could score goals. Man City haven't looked like Centurions in a while. I don't know if people are realizing that. And they've gotten better and better beyond that, like after that. So it's not that big of a deal. It'll the football yeah. the football will get better. It will. But I think Arteta realizes that the way that we played last season is not we're not gonna win trophies that way. We'll play nice football, but we won't win trophies. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and playing the same way and not evolving how you think and you know how you develop doesn't work against Man City because Manchester City are always changing. They're always progressing. Pep is always trying something new. So standing still in a season where you didn't win the title, that's what Arsene Wenger used to do. He's like, you know, if we just if we just give it another go doing the same thing that didn't work last year, maybe it will happen again. And it didn't. So I appreciate that Arteta recognised the weaknesses that it seems like every single ex-pro that played for Arsenal didn't recognise. Um, I think he's made some big decisions. And the thing that I'm enjoying the most about um, this Arsenal side at the moment is we are where we are with massive injuries. Like every time I take a pop at Spurs, they want to remind me that they've got a lot of first teamers out at the moment. It's like Arsenal have had first teamers out all season. Big players. Yeah. Big players, not in the city. We haven't had Thomas Party at all, really. And, you know, he was one of our best players for a majority of last season. So mm-hmm. I think um, I think the system really is the star at the moment. And that's what's exciting. Yeah. This in Listen, I, I do think that people always take a a dig at our, our squad and say, it's not, it's not good enough. It's not, I don't know what they expect. Look at like the players that we've had stepping in have kept us afloat. And when I mean kept us afloat, kept us, we're at the top of the league, you know, players like Jorginho, I know people don't love him, but that is a very good squad player. Okay. You have Jorginho on your bench. 
stepping in for you for like five, six games because, you know, you don't, the midfield's not really clicking. That's great. And you don't have Thomas Partey. And Kedia comes in. As much as y'all don't like Enkedia, we were talking, you know, we're in the mix with Enkedia and the team. Like, I think some people have unrealistic expectations. And based on how many injuries we've had and this system that doesn't work, how you can't complain that much based on where we are right now. You know, based on where we were five years ago, we shouldn't yeah. be complaining at all. Be happy. Yeah. Be happy. Be happy. Yeah, for sure. I agree. All right, let's move on um, to the the next topic. Tommy Asu um, was being quite heavily linked by a lot of the Bayern Munich Twitter accounts to a move um, to to Germany. Um, he's got, I think he's got one year left on his deal. Oh no, he's got uh, like eighteen months. Twenty twenty five, his deal runs out. It's one of the lowest paid players in the squad at the moment. There have been concerns about his availability over the last few years, but this season, not so many. Um, talk to me about Tommy Asu and why he's so important to the system. Tommy Cafu, that guy. Oh, wow. I love Tommy. I love Tommy. Um, since the like the first moment he played for us against Norwich a couple years ago, I was like, wow. You know, after years of Bellerin, no shade to Bellerin, but you just want somebody that could defend. You want somebody with some physical presence. He definitely gave us that. He's so unlucky with injuries, and I know some people will consider him unlucky. Some people feel like he's injury-prone. But this season, you know, when we lost Timber, I think seeing Tommy come in, I think a lot of people felt like, oh, my gosh, we're downgrading massively. Because over the summer, some people were like, we should get rid of Tommy. I remember those conversations. But I think he's the best example so far at Arsenal of taking your shot when you have one. Because there's a lot of players in the team that get opportunities but don't necessarily put their stamp on it for real. Like they kind of they kind of do a little bit of something, something, but they don't really make it their own. Tommy is not playing. Tommy is not playing. He is coming in there. He's like, Zinchenko, if you slip up, I'm there. You know, Ben White, if you slip up, I'm there. And there's so much that he he offers. It's the two-footedness, passing ability, 1v1 defending. He's overlapping now. He's finding himself in the final third, which was one of his biggest criticisms. People felt like he didn't add enough in midfield or add enough in the final third, and he's doing that. And so I'm just so happy for him, especially after like we found out what happened with his mother and personal issues and things like that. For him to come alive this season, we needed him so bad because Timber's injury, I think, really deflated a lot of people. But Tommy's really stepped in and become that that extra defender that gives us a little bit of something. So I'm so happy with Tommy Asu. Like 18 million should not get you a player like this. And I will always thank Mikel Arteta for stepping in and saying, actually, we don't want Emerson Royale. Give me Tommy Asu. One of the best decisions Mikel Arteta ever made. Uh, yeah. I still forget, quality. still forget that moment. And he really came out of the blue. Like n- yeah. no, not even the not even the, the Twitter super scouts were eyeing up Tommy Asu at that time. Mm. Um, and he's he's been great from day one. What do you think about um him when everybody's fit? Is is he um I, I don't know whether we even think about players as starters anymore, but does he keep Ben White out of the side? Can he keep Zinchenko out of the side? Or is is he's is he just a player that comes in for for tired legs or occasional rotation? You know, my my I think my opinion on this has changed over the last couple of weeks. I didn't think that Tamiyasu had a fighting chance, but I think when you think about his profile and what he adds, he really is like the quintessential Mikel Arteta player. You know, I think he's he has a lot of the attributes that Arteta really values in a player. And so if he continues to perform the way that he's performing, I think he could. I think he could. But like you said, is it really about starters? Not really. Because even if Tamiyasu is playing, that gives Ben White an opportunity to rest. Because remember, Ben White played so much football last season. He did. Everybody on our right-hand side played almost every single game. So we're in a really good position. If Tamiyasu you know, plays, let's say, all the way until he goes to the Asia Cup, well done. But we're still going to need Ben, and that's the most important thing. It's all about squad. But, yeah, I think he could really make a play for either one of those fullback positions. And, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't sure that that was possible. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with you there. And sometimes in certain games, he is the better left-back option than Zinchenko. 
And yeah. sometimes, uh, I mean, maybe sometimes we, we're going to use him as a centre back. And I think if he, you know, the when we lost Saliba and Tomiyasu at the same time last season, that was the end of the title challenge because you kind of feel that Tomiyasu could have slipped over into defence instead of mm. Rob Holding, and we wouldn't have had the disaster that we had. It was fatal. Like it really was. Those two injuries was just. It was a lot. You know. I think. I wonder if Mikel Arteta, if we went back in time if he would do something different, you know, cause we had tons of conversations about like, is this the only choice that you have? I wonder if Kivior should have been used a little bit earlier, but really when you lose two defenders of that quality, it really just puts you in a bad position and we couldn't rebound from it this season. I think we're a little bit more well-equipped. I like that players that don't usually get minutes played a lot at the beginning of the season um, so that they're not as like outside of the squad but yeah, we just did not have the ability to recover from those two injuries. And I think we're seeing now this season how good Tomiyasu is in every single position. What player like what player do you know of that can play both fullback positions and probably both center back positions and at a high high level? I mean, there I don't are many of them. That, like yeah. Tomiyasu comes in at left back. And you would never know that he's on yeah. the other side. I mean, he's absolutely fantastic, which is a key attribute. Though it has to be said, though, I mean, we've had at least two seasons where him exiting the starting eleven has cost us big. Uh, availability hasn't been um, his strong suit over the last few seasons. He, he usually lasts ten to fifteen games, and then we 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 don't see him back for another three months. Arsenal have chased availability over the last few years. Players have fallen out of favour just because they are not available. I'm thinking Emil Smith-Rowe, I'm thinking Kieran Tierney, um, who's out on loan at the moment. Do you think Arsenal are just going to take a gamble here? Or do you think if they could find somebody that could do similar things to him, maybe a bit younger, that they might they might try and do that? Like, Do you think there's any truth in these buy-in rumours or do you think that the new contract that's supposedly on the table is going to happen? I think that... Bayern might want Tamiyasu and his agent may have entertained it just to be able to put something else on the table to an Arsenal like, look, this team really wants him. But I have a feeling about Tamiyasu that he's very highly rated. And if he can put together a season, this season of good fitness, he he has a long-term future at Arsenal. I just, I think when you look at what Arteta really values in a player, Tamiyasu kind of has all of that. So yeah, I think he can be here for, for a while, the player that I actually look at that I'm not quite sure whether or not he's as valued as everybody else's QBR. He's the one that stands out to me. I think, you know, he's the one that, you know, if he went out on a loan, I don't think I'd be that surprised. But Tommy, I'd be surprised if we did any because you just you just don't get players like this. I think Arteta really values his uniqueness, you know, and so I can see him here for a while if he stays fit this entire season. This season is pivotal. It's key. I also wondered if, um, yeah, because I, 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 I think he's a good player, and we we don't have a lot of experience in our squad, and he's experienced at twenty five years old. Um, I think he's got a high level of professionalism. Like he works incredibly hard, never complains. Um, I just wondered whether um, you know Mikel Arteta has a rip of reputation now for putting players on contracts and then selling them. Um, I'm thinking about Balogun, who turned down European overtures, got a five-year deal, and then kind of got stuck a little bit this summer, or it felt like that. Um, do you think Tommy Asu might be looking at Aaron Ramsdale, who signed a contract in June and is out the door by January? Do you think there will be any concern? Is this is this contract a trick? Are you tricking me out here? Or do you think he'll just say, listen, I'm getting the minutes that I want. And that's, that's all that matters. I'm playing in a team that I love and I'm getting the minutes that I want. So I'll sign a deal. I kind of feel like he's going to sign the deal and he'll just kind of go with like the, yeah, he's getting good minutes. And let's not forget with a new contract comes new money. <laughs> so, yep. yeah. So I think he'll, um he'll take it, but I've, I, I agree with you. I've said this quite a few times that I don't necessarily feel like a new contract always means we want you forever. Um, I think some people view a new contract as this is, we want you forever. And that's just not the case. Sometimes it's just to maintain the value, you know, maybe it's not for four or five years. Maybe they're looking like maybe next 12 to 18 months, you're a big part of the team. So things can change very quickly. We've seen that with Ramsdale, but I just have a gut feeling that Tommy Yasu, 
is highly rated by Mikel Arteta. And it's, it's very difficult to get these types of minutes from Mikel Arteta. I think, you know what I mean? Like usually he sticks with his usuals and he'll run them into the ground. You know, I wouldn't be, if it wasn't Tommy Asu, I think Ben White would have been out there on one leg, but I think he likes 100%. him so much yeah. that he's like, he trusts him. That's important. Yeah. And I kind of imagine that Ben White could have come back a bit earlier this yeah. season and mm -hmm. Arteta, I mean, Arteta in the past, I mean, he'll, he'll get, he'll get Thomas Partey off a plane rolling into a, a League Cup game. And mm -hmm. now you feel like he's got enough trust in these backup defenders that he doesn't have to do that. So hopefully hopefully he does sign a new deal because he is just the player that nobody's got a bad word to say about. There's yeah. never there's never uh, Tommy Asu slander. And no. I think that that is a, quite a miracle with the fan base that we've got and uh, their flip-flopping opinions. So um, yeah, hopefully he signs a new deal and we move yeah. on. All right, let's move on to another topic. Uh, that I understand you're quite passionate about. Simbins. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's been a bit too much talk about VAR referees and new rules to solve the fact that we've got problematic referees. But mm -hmm. Simbins have been put into the equation. They are going to try trial them in a high-level league. MLS has apparently put his hand up and said, we will take Simbins. They experiment with all sorts of rules over here. Um, I want to get your take on Simbins because this is this is a new thing. We don't have this really in the in the UK in in our sports. Talk us through what a Simbin is, and talk me through how it works uh, in practice. Yeah, so I was just looking to make sure I had it up so I can explain it properly. So basically, like referees have the power to call fouls and dish out yellows for their offenses, but usually you only have yellow or red. And so if you feel like it's what we would call like an orange card, you know, something that's not so bad to give them a red, but you feel like, you know, it, it needs to be harsh, harshly punished in some way, you can make a player sit out for a certain amount of time throughout a game. So in theory, you could have 10 versus 11 for 10 minutes or something like that, almost like a timeout. You know, that's that's kind of, you know, what I had been like reading about it. And trying to understand, like, okay, at lower levels, they they feel like that's something that could work. I think we're just overcomplicating things with this. Like, reading this, it feels like a train wreck. It just feels like something where, you know, you have 10 minutes of the sin bin. And you have a referee not allowing somebody to come back on. And you know how we have players that go off injured? And then you're just waiting to come back on, waiting to come back on. I can see that being an issue. I just feel like it still doesn't really, everything is still subjective because people will be like, oh, well, how is that an orange card? And that's not an orange card. So I, I feel as though we're doing a lot to try to protect the referees and give them more opportunities to make decisions that they already can't make. You know, they can barely figure out what a yellow is or a red is. Now we're going to give them the opportunity to do sin bins too. Like, I don't even think they need that. You know, I saw the, the the things that they were saying about having like a no-go zone around the referee to stop players from circling around them. It, that's kind of been around since like the beginning of time. Like, I don't feel like that's where the the emphasis should be. It should be on trying to get the best decisions at a con on a consistent basis. And that's what we're not getting. That's why the players are more aggressive. That's why the managers are more vocal. That's why the players are more vocal. That's why the fans are always complaining. It's because you're not getting the decisions right. So focus on that. Sin bins sound like such a just, I don't know. Do you see any value in it? I just, I can't see any value in, and like, I can see, a, like, remember in the Community Shield where the first foul that Thomas Partey got, he was, he got a yellow card. Rodri did, had, five or six cynical fouls and still did not get a yellow. So I can see us yelling about Thomas Partey on the side sideline and we're playing 10 V 11, but Rodri is just cynical fouling and no one cares. It doesn't solve the problem of like the lack of consistency. It just gives them another reason to make more mistakes, you know? Yeah. I think the, I think, I think you really landed the point there for me on Simbins. It's like consistency is the biggest problem in refereeing. If everything, if, if you're really strict, then players will know to behave in a certain way, but everybody's got to be really strict. But the subjectivity thing 
is the issue. Like that's one of the worst issues in VAR. It's like nobody can agree to a format. And I just, if you were like, listen, anybody that swears at the referee is in the sim bin. That'll last about five minutes. And then it'll only be select players mm-hmm. that swear that will go in the sim bin. How, how do the do, do sim bins, how do sim bins avoid subjectivity in American sport? Honestly, I don't even, to be honest, I don't really know. I don't know because, you know, I don't really watch that many other sports. But I do think that, like, in general, in, f- football in general for me, I think, loves the opportunity for subjectivity to come into the game. And I think in other sports, just in general, there are cleaner rules and you don't hear about referees as much. So I can't really speak on, like, other sports and how they do it and how they keep it clean. But it's even, like, the VAR is not like a new concept. They have VAR in like other sports, but it's like considered something else. It's just like replays and, and things like that. I think football likes a little bit of drama. And I think that's where no, no matter what the rule is, no matter if it's, you know, offside is a ball out, whatever. I think they like that, you know, cause I think I the think referees that, like being part of the drama as well, yeah, which I it, think is it the adds problem. to the entertainment. Most, yeah. most weeks, what do we talk about? Do we talk about the football or do we talk about the refereeing decisions? There's always an egregious refereeing decision. Exactly. And I feel like they have all the money and opportunities to stamp this out. You know, why don't you, in in football, they have every, or American football, they have every angle that you could possibly have on the field so you can see everything. But in football, like European football, there's tons of like blind spots and you can't get the other angle. Why is it at this stage we don't know whether the ball is out or not? Why? Uh, yeah, and uh, but it also feels like Sky withhold angles. Yeah, I never understand it. They go Monday Night Football. Sky's got a new angle. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. How? Why didn't we have this angle when it was needed? Why exactly. did VAR have this angle? And yeah. got, and we saw, you know, like you know where we didn't hear a lot about uh, VAR World Cup, the, the the Qatar World Cup. You didn't hear yeah. anything about it. They had that that radar thing for offside, so there was no debate about it. I, f- I felt like the uh, communication with VAR was much better, but there, w- there wasn't a lot of drama around egregious mm-hmm. refereeing decisions at the World Cup. The decisions were a lot quicker. You know, it was just, you know, and even like in Champions League, for the most part, it's a lot quicker. It's something about <laughs> the Premier League that seems to like to have gaps where they can insert a little bit of drama to stir things up. Like I even feel like the referee going to the, to the monitor is like a level of drama just to like, you see him running over there. It's like a little bit of like, is it gonna, is it gonna not? When we all know that once you go to the monitor, it's pretty much like, we know what the, you know what it is. So I think that they actively make sure that there's gaps for, I don't want to say corruption or anything like that, but gaps where they can make it more dramatic. Insert a little bit of themselves into it. Yeah, and exactly. I, and um, I I th- I think that the difference between a World Cup and the Premier League is familiarity as well. Mm. Like you know, familiarity with local areas. So I don't like that club. Um, I do like this club. Familiarity with players, like Wayne Rooney. Uh, you know, I, I said this on a podcast a few weeks ago. One of the referees got um a serious illness, and he said after, you know, Wayne Rooney was texting me, and I, I know that it's nice that Wayne Rooney is texting a referee that's sick but it's like so you got numbers with Wayne Rooney you're exchanging text messages with Wayne was this the first text message and it's um I guess you just don't get that at a world cup like these are referees they're all from the same country and they just go and do their job their job is to do the best job because they're representing their own nation of referees right and I, I don't um I don't remember who said it but I I know I know it was a Manchester United player because they're they were the best at this back in the day they knew it might have been Roy Keane, maybe, but he was speaking about how they knew the um, the referees' family, kids, where they went to school, things like that. So when they got up next to the the referee, they could say, "How's how's Billy? How's he doing in school?" Things like that. I just don't know if you get that other places, and I just feel like you know, why do I know where these who you know the referee? He lives five minutes away from this ground and his brother is a season ticket holder. Why do I know that? Why is that? What, you know? So it's, yeah, I think they want it to be like that to add more drama. 
we're never get gonna get better um, refereeing. I don't think. I, I don't think that's the priority. I, I no, really don't. I don't, I'd, and like putting Howard Webb in charge of it. it just, <laughs> like, don't put a referee that gave. I think he gave three yellow cards at a World Cup to a single player in one game before. Um, I'm not sure he's the best guy to be advocating um, for a, for a better referee in future. Mm. All right, let's move on to the next topic of conversation. Kai Havertz is he gonna make it? Uh, the man got a lot of flack uh, when he moved from Chelsea. Arsenal fans do not like signing Chelsea fans. We've been burnt before. William Gallas, yeah. Petr Cech. Remember when he played the Europe, Europa Cup final and then went to be their technical director right after? Horrible. William. Oh, um, David Luiz. We have so David, many. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, 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 the list. And it's in the last 10 years, all of the worst that seem to have come through. But mm. Kai Havertz did represent something different. Um, he's a player that was not at the end of his career, though he was in a career rut. Um, first name on the team sheet of most Chelsea managers. Everybody loves him. A technical god, um, but hasn't really had a great season so far. Where did you stand on Kai Havertz joining Arsenal? And what do you think? Uh, is Has there been a little bit of a, a rebirth of his career this week? Yeah, I think when we first signed him, I or like the, the news kind of came out, I was I was shocked. And then, you know, I try to like go away from it and come back and, and like, okay, how do I actually feel about this? And I, I understood from the beginning what Arteta was trying to do. He wanted to have him play the left ape. He was going to ghost into the box. His movement is, is some of the best, you know, um, he, he's tall. He, he has the aerial presence. I could see what Arteta was trying to do. Um, and on paper, it made sense, you know, Rice, Havertz, Odegaard, when you take away the Chelsea-ness and all that kind of stuff it makes sense. You know, you could see it when the season started and watching him, the reality of where he was in terms of his confidence actually started to make me feel like, Oh my gosh, is this going to work out? Because he just looked like a player bereft of any sort of like confidence. And we know how it is. Like if you have to build a player up, it could take a while and a team that has so much pressure on it. I just feel like we just kind of did something that we didn't need to do. We kind of just needed to get somebody in there that was a better version of Granite Shaka. And we went out there and we got somebody that for three years has been like in a stagnant stage. And I don't know if that's really what we needed to do. So I did feel a little bit, I felt a lot lower about Kai Havertz before this last international break. Um, because I just didn't really understand what we were trying to do with him. Now he was trying to play center forward a little bit. I'm like, okay, Arteta, what are we doing? But, you know, I, I actually liked what I saw from him um, when he played for Germany um, in that left back position. It wasn't really left back. It was left center mid in possession. And I, I liked it. He scored a goal and I was like, that could be a massive goal for us because he just needs a little bit of, con he needs something to go his way. There were so many little things that could have went his way, but they just did it. It seemed like nothing he couldn't catch a break. And so he scores the goal against Brentford. And I'm like, okay, you need to build on this from here. You know, Arteta's brought you over to the crowd. He's made a big deal out of it. You know, it's a big moment, whatever. Against Lons, that was the first time I saw Kai Havertz as a midfielder for Arsenal, doing midfielder things, carrying the ball. He looked confident. He wasn't afraid to, to try to do something on the ball. He was still safe, but... You could actually see what our, what our Ted also wanted to do, which was have him and Gabriel Jesus play off of each other because that's where his goal came from. He anticipated Gabriel Jesus getting that header, and he got on the end of it. I don't think Kai Havertz is ever going to score an overhead kick. I don't think he's ever going to score a screamer. None of that. He's not. But is he going to be able to ghost into the box and get tap-ins? Yes, especially if his, the players around him find him in those positions. He's been making those runs the whole time. Nobody's been finding him. So is he going to make it? I think if he really wants to, he can. I think Arteta is going to give him enough chances where if he just, you know, has a little bit of confidence, he can make it work. You know, Arteta is all about roles. I don't think Arteta wants him to be Zidane, but I think he wants him to be what he was yesterday. If he can build off of that, he definitely can make it. You know, I'm, I'm very optimistic about him, more optimistic about him now than I was before. But it's all about him. You know, I think it's all about his confidence. He has he has everything. And if we get even 75% of the Kai Havertz from Leverkusen, we're laughing. We are. Because that player was world-class. That player 100%, was yeah. generational. 
you know, so we get 75% of that. We're laughing in the end. So yeah, I think, um, I'm on the more positive side of things, uh, now, um, cause I can kind of see his confidence growing, but man, a couple weeks ago, it was just like, I don't know, you know, where did you sit on it at the beginning? You know, did you see the vision from the beginning or did you think, wow, like we're really just, he's galaxy brain this. I, I don't know whether I could, I don't know whether I could say I saw, um, I saw the vision. I think I saw, I, I saw, um, I saw a player that had speed, um, a player that had a lot of strength, saw somebody that was very aggressive and had height and had a previous record of being a career, a goal scorer. And I saw a project, basically. I felt like Arteta looked at the component pieces and said, I'm sure that we can put this this player back together again and get him doing some of the things that we weren't getting with Granite Xhaka. And it's been painful because I went, I, I, you know, like I know that you can't pick the price, but 65 million, you're like, Oh God, that means 60, 45. You're like, okay, but 65, you're kind of, you, you, Arsenal fans are just like 65. I want to see goals, assists. And I want to see, I want to see Garnacho bicycle kicks immediately. Yes. And uh, he, he was never bad. He was never bad at what he was doing. He was just mediocre. He was mediocre for a whole bunch of games. Yes. And he was missing really easy chances. And his body language, even when he's having a great time, isn't very positive. And he looked he looked like a sad man. He looked like a sad sack out on the pitch. And you, and when you see a sad footballer, you start to... And I, I was with you. I'm like, oh, God. I mean, I've been going hard with the propaganda promoting him. But he looks really sad. He looks really broken in his system. But the only... You know, the main positives that I could take is... Every Chelsea fan that I know who who will want to go at anything Arsenal do, they're like, listen, the guy is an unbelievable technician. He works really hard. And you, if Arteta can unlock him, that is an that is a, a, a extremely talented player that you've got on your hands. Um, and now I think we're finally starting to see it. And they all said he's a confidence player. And that skanky little goal that um, he scored against uh, Brentford in the 89th minute seems to have injected a bit of life because he did a did a dazzling bit of footwork when he powered into the box last night. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're right. Like I, d- I don't think he's here to score screamers from outside the box. I think he's here to do like those sort of Freddie Lundberg runs into the box and get get his head on it, get his foot on it. But I think he's here for output. I think he, they want him to be Granite Xhaka with output. The, the final thing that I'll say is that I haven't seen him in the stadium yet this season. I'm, I'm going to some games um, in December. But... Apparently, no one really complains about him in the stadium because when you're mm-hmm. in, when you see him in person, you see the work he puts in, and yeah. he, you know, like he's very, very aggressive um, about doing off ball work. I know these sixty five million pound player, and people don't want to be like, I don't want to, I don't want to see the off the ball movement. But the fact that he's got such a great work ethic combined with technical ability, you know that something's going to happen, and it's going to. Yeah. Did you? I mean, against Newcastle, I thought I was like, okay. I see you. You are, you're out here doing the, okay. I, I like it, you know, and um, he doesn't always get it right. Sometimes it does look like a striker trying to make a tackle, but I, you know, what do you want from a midfielder? You know, what do you want from a midfielder? I think if you took the name off and you put somebody else's name on that you like, and you showed some of his statistics, you'd be okay with it. It's just, it's Kai Havertz. It's Chelsea. We don't want to get bantered. We could have bought somebody else, you know? And so, um, at this stage, he's ours, so I want him to work. But I like everything that he's saying, too. Like, he seems really switched on and ready to be a part of this team. He seems like he's really, like, with the group. And, you know, those things matter to me. It doesn't matter to some Arsenal fans, but that stuff matters to me. I want to see somebody that looks desperate to be at Arsenal. And he does. He seems he seems like he's desperate to be here and make something shake. So let's go. Kai Havertz, we're doing it. You know? Love that. Love that. All right. Let's talk about January transfer targets. Uh, I've got striker down here. I mean, I shouldn't really have any position. Uh, David Ornstein's come out and said uh, that David uh, David Luiz is um, not David Luiz. Douglas Luiz. Luiz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, said that it's very unlikely that we're going to move him. Arsenal um, analysts are very split on him. Um, do you think that Arsenal are going to move for anybody in January? Or do you think, you know, you said at the start of the show that our squad is a lot deeper than people give it credit for. Um, what would your bet be? 
Yeah, I think Mikel Arteta said something um, after the game yesterday about being really thin at the back. And I got my spidey senses going and I was like, he wants another center back, doesn't he? Um, you know, so I do think that un- as unpopular as that it will it would probably end up being, if we do go out and get something, it might end up being another defender. If he's out here saying that we're very thin at the back, it doesn't feel like we're very thin, but if he thinks so, there might be some injuries there that we don't know about. I think sometimes that we think we know everything, but we have no clue who's holding on to certain types of injuries. We have no clue, you know, so it could be the case that we bring in a defender. Do I think that that's where I'd spend whatever little cash we have? No, I'd go get a midfielder. You know, I, I'd go get a midfielder, a six slash eight. But six the kind eight. that you want, are they really going to leave their club? Like, that's the problem with Douglas Louise is like, you're never getting him from Villa. They're sitting in fourth. You're never getting him. There's no way. And any any midfielder worth something is not leaving in January. So and the only one that was of interest is uh, Neves. But yeah, he's Saudi club. are like, no way. <laughs> like, I think they only wanted to give him to Newcastle. Right. I think that was kind of like the whole charade anyway, was get him to go Saudi, then get him to go Newcastle. So that never felt likely anyway. But if anything happens, I think we'll have maybe one or two outgoings and we may end up with a defender, you know. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I don't what see sort of defender would you sign? Defender? Yeah, what sort like uh, what position in defense or like a are you thinking like a versatile player or I'm thinking um a monster center back like the ones that we have. I, I, I do think that if something were to happen to Saliba, we still would not have a center center back. And I know maybe it's you know, it's like well, we have players that can do a job there, but I genuinely don't think we have anybody that can replicate what Saliba does for us. He's like a quarterback back there. And there's nobody else that can do that. I know Tomiyasu can do a job and Gabrielle and Kivior is okay, but I really wouldn't want to go into the run-in or a Champions League like later, you know, fixture without somebody that can do the Saliba stuff. So it would probably end up being like another center back, a monster center back like Gabrielle and Saliba. The one that I really like is Usman Diamande from Sporting. We've been linked to him for a while. And another reason why I want us to get him is because I don't want anybody else to have him because he's another Saliba. He's that good. Yeah, he's another Saliba. I don't want I don't want Newcastle having him. I don't want Chelsea having him. No, I want to be greedy, just like just like Man City. Greedy. Stockpile, you know? And he's 19. He played against us when we lost to them. Um, he's brilliant on the ball, but he has the the Gabrielle stuff too. So he's like a nice mixture of the two. And it I mean, it would be an embarrassment of riches, but if we could guarantee that if Saliba or Gabriel went down, our game plan wouldn't have to change at all. That would be, that would be massive for us because they're so important to everything that we do. Um, yeah. So, and I, we, we again, really I are know. in a, a Ben White shifting over from right back sort yeah. of situation right now. I, ben White is a good center back, but not on the level. Well, of... did you like it at the beginning of the season? Cause that's what we had. Remember Ben White yeah. was, playing like center back next to Saliba. I don't think anybody loved that, you know? Yeah. Didn't feel. I think it's, it's, it's so hard for anybody to replace what Saliba does because he is like, he's like the, like, he's like the Dennis Burkamp of defenders. You just want to watch him, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So Diamande is the, he he seems to be hot on the lips of a lot of, uh, a lot of people at the moment. What's the price tag that they're talking about? (sighs) I mean, I know they're going to want a lot, but I saw something about like we we offered 35 or something and they want a little bit more. So I don't know if it'd be like 40, 50. I don't know. Um, So that's a lot, you know, but we'd have to sell. We have a goalkeeper there. We do. We do. Let's uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about the goalkeeper debate. Firstly, um, where do you stand on David Raya? And then secondly, Aaron Ramsdale stealing Christmas decorations on his way out of uh, the ground <laughs> last night for some weird reason. Yeah, uh, he only earns 120 grand a week, though. You got you got to make those savings where you can. Um, who's going to buy Aaron Ramsdale? That's the thing about Ramsdale. Exactly what you're talking about right now. His dad and him stealing Christmas decorations is exactly why the David Raya thing has not went down well. Is because we all love Aaron Ramsdale. I don't think that's ever been the question. 
is whether or not he felt like Arsenal, like we love his mentality. We love, you know, how funny he is and his, we love him, you know? So um, it's, it's, it's tough. It's been tough, like a, a tough couple of weeks, I think just all of the talk and like seeing him and it, it's just, yeah. And seeing him against Brentford, it was, it, to me, it was like a heartbreaking a little bit because it's just like, that's not what you want to see. But I was getting so much crap because I definitely was somebody that felt like Raya was probably a good goalkeeper for us to go out and get because I didn't like what I saw at the back end of last season from Aaron. I didn't, you know, and um, I'm honest about that. I don't think Ramsdale is not a good goalkeeper. I think that's what people hear when you're like, oh, I, I want to see David Raya. They think I'm saying Aaron is not good. Ramsdale is a great young goalkeeper, but the remit for our goalkeeper is so different now. You know, the goalkeeper almost has to be like a center back back there. Their starting position has to be a lot higher. They have to be comfortable in possession. And when I mean comfortable, I don't mean, you know, the odd long ball. I mean, you have to be comfortable allowing pressure to get on you and passing it under a lot of pressure, right? And then making the one save that you have to make. And I just felt like not only was Ramsdale kind of like skirting around, not playing out from the back and kind of kicking it long, but he wasn't really saving enough goals. You know, I thought almost every single, like every single shot that was on goal was going in the back of the net. And so seven, we conceded seven first time shots last year. Exactly. Wild. 100%. And I'm like, you know, the numbers back up David Raya's being the better goalkeeper. I know he was shaky at the beginning, but when everybody hates you because you're not someone else, it's so difficult. He's getting his dream move to Arsenal. It's the first time that games against Spurs, Man City, and um, you know Chelsea have ever meant that you have to win them. So these are high-pressure matches for him for the first time in his career. And, oh, by the way, nobody supports you, you know? And so I think David Raya will definitely settle in a lot more once the circus is gone. But I do think that I would be looking for somewhere for Aaron Ramsdale to go in January because he's also going to want to secure a spot for the Euros. And I don't think it'd be secure if he spends another five months on our bench. If Wolves want him on a loan with an obligation to buy, do it. Do it and go get a Matty Ryan or something like that. The number two goalkeepers, it doesn't have to be another world beater. You know, like it really doesn't. I just personally, I just want it done. I think the longer it, it, it goes on, the more it's just like a circus that we don't need. I don't like the way um, Arteta's done it. I think he's put some of it on himself by like just saying it was two number ones when it really wasn't, you know, but I think David Raya will prove to be the better goalkeeper long-term. And the sooner that Aaron kind of finds somewhere else to go to be a number one, I think the better off for everybody. What do you think? Uh, I I was surprised to see like why are Wolves in for him? I thought, um, so Jose Sa, I thought he was yeah. a good goalkeeper. Off to Saudi, apparently. Is he off to Saudi? Oh yeah. wow, he's, oh, he's. I guess he's thirty years old. Um, so gonna gonna go and pick up that paycheck. Um, I like I I'm very surprised at the reaction of a lot of Arsenal fans because Aaron Ramsdale hasn't been doing it for me for a long time. Like he he had that unbelievable first three months at Arsenal, and he never really um never really got back to that form. You know, he had moments. Mm. I think he had a brilliant game against uh, Liverpool last year, but. Too many mistakes in the system, and he's too easy to read. And you know, I I know that fans of football always get a little bit hung up when you say it does too many podcasts. And people are like that, that things like that don't matter in the game. They do. Managers notice. I mean, you work around. You know, you you're around football um, a lot when you're working over here and doing your your media stuff. You people pay attention to it. If you're if you're off field presence. Um, is big and your performances are not, people will point to it. It's like Marcus Rashford. People don't like it that people call out all of the fashion stuff that he does. But, you know, he, his performances aren't up to standard to merit um, what, mm -hmm. what he's doing there. And, and, and he gets called out and that's just what happens in the game. And I think that Aaron Ramsdale's performances dipped. I think he was very interested in media. He was always on podcasts. And, you know, we're, we do, we're in the podcast game. So I appreciate that. But yeah. I feel like he needs a little bit of focus and maybe going to Wolves um, will help him on that journey. But yeah, some of the mistakes weren't good. His shot stopping numbers were terrible. Um, and really, like the kicking, it fell off a cliff. It was so it good. 
It almost felt as though once he won the spot from Leno, he got comfortable and then that was it. You know, I, I think having somebody like Matt Turner behind you, no offense to Matt Turner, I love Matt Turner, but I think you kind of know, I'm kind of all right here, nothing's going to happen, I'm fine, you know? And um, I, I just, as when you take the emotional side out of it, I think you can see why we would go in this this direction. Did it have to happen the way that it happened? I don't know. But I'll never begrudge Mikel Arteta for trying to get just 2% better, 3%, 5% better. Because that, against Manchester City, is the difference between a title or not. It's just a couple of percentages. It's it's really, it's it's the difference between having Declan Rice and Thomas Partey. I've spoken about that so much, too. It's 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 hard to upgrade upon Thomas Partey. The only way you can do it is by spending $100 million on Declan Rice, you know? But that's the difference. You know, we've never beaten Manchester City in the league with Thomas Partey. But we did this time with Declan Rice, didn't we? That's the difference. Very true. You know, very true. Yeah, it's uh, and I also think it's the, the the cost of going from good to like truly elite is that sometimes you have to say goodbye to your babies. And mm. we all love Aaron Ramsdale, and he was a great goalkeeper for getting us the fourth. But I think if we want to get to Premier League winners, Aaron's not at that stage right now. But that doesn't mean that he he won't be at some point. Do you, you know, think like, Raya's the one though? Like I think that's the next question: is if Aaron is not it. Is is Raya it? Uh, it's, I mean, we haven't really seen him truly tested in a game yet because our defense has been so good. Um, I think I think Raya is worth four points a season, hmm. four or five points a season, and that could have won us the Premier League last year. So, I, if if he can translate his shot stopping ability into Arsenal, and we go from having the twelfth best keeper in the league to the fourth best keeper in the league. Then I think that you've got uh, you've got enough data there to suggest that we could win the Premier League with him. But jury's still out. You know, he has these nervy moments as well. Yeah. He's made a, a few mistakes that have cost us. But my, I, I know the um, people at Arsenal um, think that that he could be the, the the real deal. So we'll just have to see. And I tell you what, though, if David Raya doesn't work out, somebody's got to point a finger at the goalkeeping coach. At some point, you've got yeah. to say a lot of a lot of players come into you. And leave in worse shape. So what's going on here? Mm-hmm. It's like okay, Burn Leno was there, but you didn't couldn't see that Emmy Martinez was really good. All right, cool. All right, so you bring in Aaron Ramsdale. He's not quite that. You bring in Runnerson, and then if David Raya doesn't doesn't work, yeah, you have to you have to ask questions. I think Raya is going to come good. I, I have a feeling in my gut he's going to come good, and and we're all going to look back on this and and laugh, you know. Um, but it's just rough in the moment. But every time that Arteta's made one of these decisions, we've usually been better for it. So I feel like it'll come, it'll be the same this time around. I think you're right. And, he, uh, you know, at, at the very least, he's very cool, calm, collected. His kicking's great. Um, I just think we've got to see what this shot stopping looks like and then we'll uh, hopefully yeah. be in a good place. Yep, I agree. All right, Jess, that takes us to the end of the show. Um, thank you for joining. You've been an amazing guest as always. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I look forward to having you on the opposite side on Chino's Arsenal. That's going to be fun, too. I can't wait to be on there. Can't <laughs> wait to be on there. Um, Jess, just quickly tell us where uh, people can find you on the internet. Yeah, guys, you, um, YouTube, Chino's Arsenal, I'll pop up. And then if you want to hang out with me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Jessica Black TV. Um, yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. You know, simple. <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, and if you are listening to this, uh, on Apple, make sure you give us a five star review. Tell Jess that she was amazing, that she might come back on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess if you like YouTube, it's YouTube. Uh, search the Arsenal Opinion, and then you can find all of our videos there. Make sure you subscribe and like the video. And on that note, I'm going to say ciao for now. Enjoy the Wolves game, and we'll see you live on the whistle. Ciao for now. Podcast Network.